I'm seeing Africa kind of disappearing behind me, even though we're moving forward. And we're going along and I'm just kind of in a state of reverie, to be honest with you. I'm in this kind of like state of mind I, I really can't describe. And at that time, the most unbelievable thing happened. Hey there, and welcome to Matamo, a podcast where we explore with you and our guests travel topics that push the boundaries in celebration of the human experience. I'm your co-host, Bob Spurl, with my co-host, Greg Traverso, today. And in this podcast episode, we're going to continue our conversation as Greg is traversing the Congo. He had talked about pretty dangerous moments with, with some local military, but Greg was able to, to talk his way out of it and, and make his way make his way to the border again to Zaire, what is now the Democratic Republic of Congo. And so today in the podcast, we want to kind of pick up after that, those, 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 those moments uh, of kind of danger into now Greg is, is now back in again, Zaire, and he's, he's traveling and, and kind of talk about what that was like. What was a day in the life, an example of a day travel uh, in this moment? So Greg, let's, let's kind of start from there and pick up the scene. Well, sure. You know, like you had uh, said, I had come across, you know, through that transition zone. Uh, it was a, a bit precarious, not with the military, and I already told those stories. It, it actually continues on that full next day. So now I'm actually, you know, feel grounded. I'm actually in the Congo, uh, and I need to get a ride. So I remember taking a bucket bath and kind of, you know, there was no running water, the places I was staying at. In fact, from this point on, I really don't even have electricity or really speak English to anybody for about the next 50 days. So what's the temperature too? just to set, set the scene for, for all of us? Like what, how you have no running water. What, what's the temperature like? Is it hot? Is it like, what's the climate too? It's warm, you know, yeah. just what's humid. Uh, you know, it's in the, in the eighties, but humid. So it's yeah. definitely, you're sweating. And so a nice cold bucket bath is, it feels good, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's actually like a, a lost art, right? It's uh didn't really, t- I didn't take a shower or anything, you know, bath or anything for the next few weeks. So those bucket baths were important. All right. So, so you're there, you're in this town, no English anymore. How are you communicating? What's, what's that like? Oh yeah. What was that like? Well, well, that is like, you know, you know, like you traveled and, you know, for all of us and many, most people listening, I'm sure have been in those situations where you're talking to somebody and, they're not speaking your language and you're not speaking theirs in terms of the the actual language, but you're communicating. And sometimes it's just so fun. And it really is most of the time. And it can be also very uh, maddening, irritating, exciting. Uh, you know, you can be very frustrated by it, but you can also just connect with people on a deeper level somehow, um, which is just all amazing. So I always like to liken at least the way I look at it is like um, having a big pot of stew. That's this huge pot. And, you know, in that, you know, you're you're throwing in there whatever you know just to make it work. So for me, I learned Spanish in uh, college. So, I mean, a little bit that I studied and um, I would, you know, so I'd throw some my Spanish in there. And then I grew up around uh, Italian. So that kind of language, that language 
it's probably the one that comes most natural to me. And I, I non parlo bene italiano, but I do have enough that I can throw enough in the pot. Uh, and, and then I would take some Swahili that I learned, and of course French because French was the lingua is the lingua franca of of this region. Now we're talking, you know, the center of Africa, the Democratic Republic of Congo in this day and age, Zaire back then. And so I, I learned like, you know, three, four hundred words in French and phrases and tried to tried to make it um, come alive a little bit. And so in the in the pot of stew, I throw some French in and the Italian, the Spanish and the Swahili and and then, you know, to, to thicken it up, you know, you really need the body language because that's really um, what's going to make, give it the body and it's really going to allow you to communicate. So, um, and, you know, with body language and really, I'd love to do another podcast sometime where, you know, we, we explore languages more and communication. Uh, but, um, you know, with to thicken the pot of stew, you know, with body language, you need, you know, kind of to look people in the eyes. They look you in the eyes and you read each other, right? Facial expressions, touch, uh, distance, how far somebody is from you, how close they're willing to come to you, um, over to you, you know, the space. And, you know, just everything that is involved with that gets thrown in that pot and you have a pretty thick stew at that point. You just take it, at least I look at it this way, and throw it against the wall and, what sticks sticks and what doesn't doesn't and you just hope you can you can use it so yeah and um so you had asked uh, you had meant you know mentioned uh, a typical day uh you know and so i just want to kind of give you since we're here i'm inside uh zaire now so i've already kind of got through the militia uh, episode and kind of got to have this long, beautiful, crazy ride into the interior. And, and then I end up here in this town called Beni uh, in the Congo. So, and I'm looking for a ride now. So my mission is is to find my way across this massive country in, in the center of Africa. And I was actually planning on going north. Uh, and up north uh, through uh, this uh, one region, you can actually go visit the pygmies inside, deep inside the rainforest and stay in villages and actually do a walk. And I was actually really looking forward to exploring that region. And then it really was hard to get information, but there was supposedly a train that you could take for a short period. So there's really no... Uh, network or uh, road or any other way across the country. But there was this area that had a train supposedly. But so I couldn't go that way because there was a bridge down. And and this bridge would be like, you know, a small bridge in your town over the one river if it was the one road. And so I decided I had to go really south at that point. And I certainly was determined to make it. And so I think I searched for a ride for at least 24 hours. I had been looking around town, talking to people. And finally, I heard of this man that was supposedly leaving the next morning uh, and had a truck. So I got somehow I found his home complex where uh, I was introduced to him. And 
walked inside this compound of sorts and saw the flatbed truck. It was already starting to fill up with people. It was early in the morning. I met him, negotiated the ride. I think it cost me about five U.S. dollars to sit on the back. Um, I claimed my spot. I got up there and I learned kind of early on that drinking lots of water the night before uh, was advantageous so that that day when you're traveling, you don't have to get off to use the bathroom and you can basically hunker down, keep your spot and enjoy the ride. And so I you know, got up there, found my little niche and it was just bustling in there. There were just people everywhere. There was you know, goods and products being, you know, put on the back, but mostly people just, I don't know, 50 people, 40 people. Um, and I was told, you know, it was going to leave, you know, fairly soon. So there was this kind of bustling, you know, activity. And I was excited to be leaving and uh, venturing, venturing south. And, and then we sat there and, you know, I started getting warm, like, we talked about earlier, you know, it was humid and, and you know, kind of hot. And that sun is just right on the equator. So it's it's uh, pretty demanding. And time went by. I started asking people, you know, when do you think we're leaving? So forth. And um, never really got a, a good answer. Sat there, sat there. And the day just drifted by. And pretty soon it was getting dark. Everybody kind of wanted to stay on their spot and not get off. Um, and so I was told, okay, we're leaving the next morning. So I ended up sleeping the night up there, uh, all night long. And the next morning I was just thought for sure we were going to take off. Um, and there was more bustling activity, more people climbing on board and we sat there again. Now I was getting frustrated, of course. And I was, you know, hungry and, you know, I probably had some kind of snack or something, but time was going and time was marching on. And I think it was probably early, uh, late morning before we actually finally took off. And once you take off on a truck like that, on a ride like that, they don't stop. I mean, they're they're going to bust through anything to make good progress. It can take forever to get going. But at this time, I really didn't know all that. I was just trying to trying to move. And actually, that morning, later that morning, I had forgotten about this. I had negotiated with the, the guy because I was just kind of spent from spending a night on the truck and all the day before the prior day and all this morning. So I actually talked to him and ended up paying another $5. So I doubled the price to be able to sit in the cab again. Um, very lucky to be able to do that. But um, so I get in there and his wife came and, and got in and yeah, she was very pleasant, nice woman. And uh, the driver got in, and then the owner of the truck, he, he doesn't, the owner usually doesn't drive. There's usually a, a driver. So the owner would sit. And so there was the four of us in this kind of big cab. And um, then you have your, your workers, the guys that were like his shotgun, shotgun men, and they would negotiate for other people ready to hop on the truck, which happened throughout. And they would collect money. They do all this kind of bartering and all kinds of like a frenzy of just stuff that was happening. And most of the time I didn't know what was going on. And they could also, you know, fix the truck if it broke down. They could, they have a, a sundry of like 
responsibilities. Very interesting. And so we move. And I was so happy. And, you know, we start moving. And, boy, once they move, they, they don't want to stop. And But we get to a village and pull over. And another uh, woman gets in and he introduces me. Actually, it's another wife. It's, it's his second wife, which in this area of the world, uh, you, men sometimes uh, – have a have more than one wife, so she squeezed in, and we continue on, and you know it's beautiful, and, you know, going through these villages, and just you know it's the start of a, a drive of, of a long drive, and I'm just all eyes looking around. Uh, before too long, we stopped at another small village, and another woman, you know, gets in, and now we're just like I'm in this cab, and he's got another wife, so this is a third wife. And it's getting uncomfortable. Um, and we continue on again. And so we get further and further uh, along, and he stops again. And this time, uh, what ends up being his fourth wife, I think his fourth and final, and she's a bigger woman, and she seemed to have the most clout because the other wives and everybody kind of, re- the way they reacted, I could tell this was, this woman maybe was the first wife or or something. I was unsure. But uh, so she uh, comes up and I, at that point, have to, you know, get on the back of the truck. There's no way I can sit in there. And, um, you know, so I get in the back. I find a spot somehow. And we just push on and we're moving along. And now we're just kind of getting to be a little bit later in the afternoon. Just keep going and going and going traveling all day. I remember coming across this one moment where uh, this military officer of some sort was on the side of the road by a real like little village inside the rainforest. Like, And he came out, he saw me, and he was motioning to me to come out to talk to him when we had stopped for a second to load more stuff onto the truck. And I remember Never forget this guy to this day. There was something just wrong there. And it was a little concerning, you know, but the truck took off, kept going, started getting dark. We kept traveling, stopping, traveling, stopping, traveling. And and I was just worn. Then perhaps about midnight, something like that, we're going along and he stops. And I think, okay, what's happening here? And the owner gets out of the truck. And he comes and he motions to me, come with. So I say, okay. So I go with him. And now we're moving, we're walking towards like this little roadside clump of little tiny little dwellings of sorts. Uh, It's maybe like a little hotel that nothing like we would know here in the States, but like a a little painted sign hotel maybe. Uh, And... He's, you know, I'm following him. Now, there's like a glow. Um, and uh, David Saunders, uh, uh, my good friend that I've traveled with and you've heard on the show, likes likens this kind of scene to like being inside of a pumpkin, like that <laughs> kind of glow, that orangish glow. And I always, that always stayed with me. But I remember that glow and like we get to this little tiny ramshackle little quote hotel room. And I kind of like wondering what's happening, but I'm not really, you know, not too concerned, but I 
and more like the social etiquette of this is on my mind. So we he goes inside. There's no light, uh, though I can see from the glow that there's it's a tiny little room with a single bed. And he just kind of matter-of-factly says, okay, uh, and he motions. And the motion indicates, okay, we're going to lie down, take a nap, is how I took it to be now. There's nothing sexual about this. There was nothing like I was not concerned. It's just the kind of, you know, I've been in Africa long enough to know that this was an expression of hospitality to a traveler um, to be, you know, offered a place to lay down after a such a difficult uh, journey thus far was, you know, very hospitable of him. So now really for me, the concern was how to tell him no, because you know, my sensibilities are not, you know, are such that I'm just not going to lie down, you know, on a just little bed in the middle of, you know, Africa or anywhere, <laughs> anywhere with somebody I don't know just to take a nap. You know, in this part of the world, you know, people are used to close quarters. Um, and oftentimes I found myself in places where, you know, our normal sense of, uh, space is different. And so this was a very normal kind of thing. But I just kind of gracefully as I possibly could thanked him, but said no thanks. And I got back on the truck. I think he was probably in there for like an hour or two. Uh, by the time he came out, one of the wives had a baby with her. I had forgotten about this. And the baby, uh, they, she asked me if I would hold the baby. And by that time, I was sitting up against the back of the cab. And so I said, yes, you know, she needed a break. So what the heck? It's already been a very strange day. Now I'm kind of holding this baby or I think maybe he was maybe like maybe two years old. So a little toddler and we continue on and people are looking at me. I remember that. They were like just out of curiosity. And here I am holding this little kid. And we go throughout the night. You know, maybe it's two, three, four in the morning. And sometime around during that time period, the little kid threw up on my leg and that was just, oh, like just another part of the day, I guess. And, uh, part of the night. And I just, uh, you know, ended up the baby went back with the mother and I ended up cleaning myself up there best I could. And mm. yeah, so just keep going and trying to sleep a little bit and chugging along. And then the light started to come up. It started to, and I realized, that we are passing through Virunga National Park. And Virunga National Park is one of the oldest national parks in all of Africa, the oldest in Zaire. There's like 2,000 plant species and like a couple hundred different kinds of mammals and 250 you know, tree species and something like over 700 species of birds. I mean, it's just this incredible ecosystem. And I'm lucky enough to be, you know, traveling, sitting on the back of a truck, going along. And, well, you know, I'm against the cab now looking back. So I, I'm seeing Africa kind of disappearing behind me, even though we're moving forward. So it's just incredible scene. And the light is coming alive. And it's this beautiful, delicious kind of rich golden color, like almost like you could eat it. And we're going along and I'm just kind of in a state of reverie, to be honest with you. I'm in this kind of like 
state of mind I, I really can't describe. And at that time, the most unbelievable thing happened. A lioness crosses across the road. So as I'm like moving forward, but looking like I'm looking backwards, right? This lioness just like a spirit flashes across the, the road. I think I was the only one to see it. And it was one of those peak experiences, one of those moments that beyond that, I really can't uh, describe except for the uh, something I'll never forget and stayed with me. So we continue on and it goes on for, you know, the ride starts to really get the, to the other side of, of the morning. And, you know, there's now more and more people along the way. And there's the terraced hills that I remember when I was with Susan some months before when we had traveled together to go to the gorilla, uh, experience inside Zaire and we had stayed at Rishuru and we passed through Rishuru and you know those kind of beauty that we had experienced together and now I'm seeing it again um, and you know like the clothing even that the women wear is just brightly colored almost more like West Africa and the terrace hills like I mentioned are just everywhere it's just stunningly beautiful one of the most beautiful scenes of Africa that's etched in my mind forever and more and more people along the side of the road and we go along and as we do uh, we start pulling closer to Goma and more and more people and really hundreds and hundreds of people uh, on the side if not thousands eventually and uh, as we're entering the outskirts of Goma who do I see? Michelle Michelle Michael in French, the young man that had helped us when Susan and I had gone there. Yeah, looking for gorilla permits, and we met Michelle. So yeah, and, and uh, we had helped him uh, with a, a, a semester or a year of school or something. I it uh, sounds like a big deal, but really it was it cost us like ten dollars or something, um, and he had wanted shoes as well because he only had the one shoe. So I met Michelle and, and that was just uh, an amazing, uh, just out of nowhere. I mean, of all the people, like he was like, it was scripted. Like he was standing there waiting for me. You know, this is before the age of cell phones or anything like that. He had no idea I was coming back and, and there he was. And we, we connected instantly and uh, spent some time together before I, pushed on. And the next part of the journey, I'll have to describe sometime. But this was uh, the moment where I, I I kind of stopped my first like a major uh, leg or, or part of the of a ride that I wanted to describe that you had asked me about. Yeah. And, and it's just, I'm just taken aback by the, these stories, the, I don't want to say the tension in it, but you know, you're, you're traveling and I really appreciate that you're kind of talking, you're putting this stuff into context too. And I know things have changed. So this was just to let our listeners know that you're talking about what, 25, 30 years ago traveling. So you know, what, what might've been strife then is different now, sure. right, Greg? And so I think it's, it's always good to give people context, but also let them know just like any history, things change. And, and so I think that, uh, that our next trip, we should talk about that travel down the canoe. I think that would be great. And you know how Greg kind of, 
you're, you're able to, to survive and, and toward the end of that trip and, and kind of what you, what, you know, how you, how you get back home. Yeah. would be great. Yeah, sure. And yeah, I love to, to continue to share those experiences. And, you know, we've already talked about many of them, but, you know, I think that being a podcast dedicated to the idea of travel influencing our, the way we see the world, kind of giving us perspective on things, I I think it doesn't, ultimately really doesn't matter whether something happened 30 years ago or actually it's even, if it's coming up in the future, you know, it's like that idea of our experiences, how they shape us, how they you know, help us grow as a person, whether it's even our work, how we go about our day to day. I mean, all of this is just one collective whole. And so, yeah, you know, the experiences that, you know, I like to share are ones that really helped influence my life. And, um, you know, the people skills, the kind of um, things you learn along the way, you know, add up, like I just mentioned, to a collective kind of perspective. And, yeah, it's always just a story. It's always growing. It's always um, looking for fresh ways of looking at things. And, yeah, so it's all fun and look forward to sharing a lot more as we continue on down this down this road. Well, Greg, as always, a pleasure to, to connect with you for these podcasts. And for those of you who are interested in learning more about Matamo and, and what Greg's doing now, go to matamo.travel, or you can shoot an email to hello at matamo.travel. You can find more about Greg's African journeys, and, and I know he's booking through 2021 uh, and into, into, the, you know, into the future here as people look ahead to really do these sort of transformative trips. Uh, he's got this incredible menu of, of, of journeys. He's got custom journeys he can put together, a lot of really cool stuff. So encourage all of our listeners to take a look. And until next time, we'll talk to everybody soon. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks. Take care. Fly like